ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because it's the bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Miss Judy, please take your meds this morning, or I will make sure that Dr. Oz is the new permanent host of Jeopardy. We all know that nobody, not just you, nobody wants to see that. 859-381-1313 is the hotline to call to join in on the conversation this morning. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex. On today's show, NBA favorites ruled the roost yesterday, going 4-0 straight up and against the spread. Boy, I wish someone around here had been preaching to take the favorites in the NBA playoffs. Oh, yeah, we've been saying that for weeks now. One NFL team tells a blatant lie, and everyone knows it, we'll explain. Our ESPN in-house Reds expert, Alan Stein, will join us on this holiday Sunday to join us to talk about the Reds' report card two months into the season. And, of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. By the way, just to tell you how people are around here, we won our NBA pick yesterday, but our Major League Baseball pick got rained out. So I'm getting texts and emails like, oh, great pick. Uh, on your baseball game today. Look, people, I'm sorry. I didn't look at the weather forecast enough and know that they were going to be rained out in Cleveland yesterday. Forgive me. You don't get, you get refunds on a rain out, so nothing lost. Sheesh. You don't lose anything. I can pick 100 games, get 99 of them right, and all anyone ever wants to talk about is the one I lost. But then again, I only talk about that one loss the year that Kentucky went 38-1 and lost in the Final Four. That was 2015. So that's fair. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio experience. But first, ESPN Classic. You remember ESPN Classic? This is supposed to be a big deal back when it started, 1995. The concept didn't seem very difficult. It was just, let's play old reruns of old games. I guess they didn't realize that would get old rather quickly. Let's face it, how many games from the 80s and 90s do you want to watch today? Especially when you already know the result. And in this world today of instant information, who cares about a game played 15 years ago? It took a little while, but ESPN figured it out too. And eventually, ESPN Classic just started running documentaries and other programming to try to get people just to watch the network instead of running just those old games all the time. They tried all types of shows and tricks and gimmicks. But do you honestly remember looking at the guide on your cable box or whatever and thinking to yourself, wow, I really need to watch ESPN Classic tonight? Yeah, me neither. I never did. And although we can learn a lot from the past, and we always talk about the past on this show when trying to handicap games, I don't want to watch games from the past when I already know what happened. What good is that? But other than the old Sports Century documentaries that were made 20 years ago, ESPN Classic did have two shows that were somewhat entertaining. 
Cheap Seats was a takeoff of Mystery Science Theater 3000 for your old Comedy Central fans from back in the day. The Sklar Brothers would take on shows like old professional wrestling and roller derby and wide world of sports and just sit there and make fun of them the whole time. I liked it, but apparently I was the only one who did. But the other show that was on ESPN Classic that I enjoyed was a show called Top 5 Reasons You Can't Blame. Basically, they took hot-button sports topics, like we do here at Sports Talk Radio, and gave food for thought as to why you shouldn't blame who everyone else blames. For instance, when the ball went through Bill Buckner's leg in the 1986 World Series, they tried to come up with five reasons why you shouldn't blame Bill Buckner for losing that game. Well, they tried at least. But ESPN Classic doesn't exist anymore. And I'll be honest, I didn't know they were off the air until I started researching this for today's show. They stopped original programming in 2007, and by 2019, they were gone. I dare say anybody out there listening realizes that they're gone too, but they are. I had no idea they were gone. I guess you could only show the Kristen Leitner shot against Kentucky so many times before even the Duke fans get sick of watching it. But we touched on this for a minute yesterday. For my money, Memorial Day, probably the best holiday of the year. It's the unofficial beginning of summer, although you wouldn't know that by the current temperature. It doesn't have the usual stress of Christmas and Thanksgiving. NBA, even the NHL playoffs for you hockey nuts out there, they're all in full swing. College football win totals are out. NFL win totals are out. Week one lines in the NFL, they're out too. The horse players are getting ready for Belmont next week. All kinds of stuff going on in the sports world for those of us just trying to cash some tickets. But Memorial Day is a big day in Major League Baseball as much as anything. Now, why would Memorial Day be important to Major League Baseball? Well, there's an old adage in Major League Baseball that teams and fans should never look at stats of individual players or team standings until Memorial Day because it's a very long 162-game season. And by Memorial Day, it's a sign of about the third mark of that marathon. You're about a third of the way through. Right now, the Reds have played 50 games out of 162. And it prevents people from making snap judgments about teams or players off to fast or slow starts if you just wait until Memorial Day a couple months in. Kind of like when Kentucky basketball lost the second game of the season this year, and the Big Blue Nation says that this team will be the worst team in the history of the school. Oh, wait, they were right on that one. But in Major League Baseball, Memorial Day is a time when you can finally look at a team and make a few judgments. So the Reds have now played 50 games, like we said. Of course, 50 games last year, the season was almost over. They only had 10 games to go. So what was that really a test of last year? But 112 games left for the Reds, who currently sit at 22 up and 28 down. Our friends in the desert now say this team has a 6% chance of making the playoffs and a 3% chance of winning the National League Central. Not exactly something you want to run to the window with fistful $100 bills to say. Of course, the Reds, before the season started, had a better shot out in the desert of winning the playoff, making the playoffs and winning their division than the Cubs did. And the Cubs are currently six and a half games ahead of the Reds. 
In fact, right now, only four teams in the National League have won fewer games than the Reds, 22. And only three teams in the National League have a worse run differential than the Reds, minus 30. Most people are blaming their manager, David Bell, and why not? If this season turns sour, are they going to trade Castellanos? Are they going to trade Winker? They can't trade Votto? No, they're going to fire their manager. And if this season continues as it's going, David Bell probably won't be in this same job next year. But is it all his fault? No, of course it's not his fault. But of course, batting Eugenio Suarez leadoff, some of the most flawed logic I've ever seen, but I digress. But who do we blame for the Reds' underachieving season if we can't blame the manager? So in an ode to the ESPN Classic Series that I actually enjoyed, and it was called Top 5 Reasons You Can't Blame, they would take a sports event and try to put a blame on why it happened. It might have been the only thing on that whole channel that was any good, because I'm not one of those people who enjoy watching old sporting events when I already know who wins. So in honor of that show, we're going to do the Top 5 Reasons You Can't Blame the Reds for starting this season poorly, and why you can't blame David Bell for this disaster so far. Yes, we love lists here at Sports Talk Radio. We're going to give you a list. Top five reasons you can't blame David Bell for the Reds' poor start. Our best of the rest list. Joey Votto. Well, he's injured right now. He was only hitting 226 this year, and he hit 226 last year. Is that the norm? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. He should probably be a little higher on this list if he were playing full-time. But there's others with more blame than Joey Votto, if that's even possible. He and his $25 million salary this year. Another best of the rest, Mike Moustakis, who's been very average since joining the Reds. He's been an average player. Missed a few games last year. He's missed a bunch of games this year. So it's kind of like an incomplete grade for him. Not exactly the best grade, but incomplete. So let's get to the top five reasons. Number five. Nick Senzel, 111 at-bats, a 252 batting average with one home run and eight RBI. He's terrible on the base pass. He's got two stolen bases and five caught stealings, which actually leads the league, five caught stealings. There you go. OPS plus of 70 right now. An average player is 100. And now he's injured for the third straight season. He's out several more weeks. I've been saying this for a while now, but it's time for the Reds I don't want to say give up on him, but maybe just cut bait on the guy. In 163 games now, that's a full season, Senzel has a career batting average of 246, OPS plus 78. And like we've said, this guy's no spring chicken anymore either. When Senzel returns from his injury, he'll be 26 years old. The only reason Senzel is still getting reps is because the Reds don't want to admit that they made a mistake choosing this guy with the second overall draft pick in the 2016 draft. But like anything else in life, the sooner you admit making an obvious mistake and cut ties with that mistake, the better off you'll be. It's okay to make changes in life, as uncomfortable as it may be, as long as you make those changes. So number five, Nixon's out. Number four on our top five reasons you can't play David Bell for this disaster, Amir Garrett. A lot was expected of Garrett before this season started. Why? Mainly because Amir Garrett came into spring training and said himself that he was the closer. 
And David Bell just went, eh, okay, whatever you say, buddy. Remember, this was a guy who for his career before this season had a career ERA of 4.89 and one career save. And this guy who is an easy choice to close games for you now, eh, maybe that's a little bit of flawed logic. So when Garrett blew a couple of save chances very early in the season, people seemed shocked. Well, that's what happens when the inmates run the asylum. David Bell has moved Garrett out of the closer's role. He did that very quickly. But it hasn't helped Garrett whatsoever. This season now, Garrett has given up 13 earned runs in 14 innings. ERA, 8.36. Remember, this was your opening day closer. And don't forget, this guy's 29 years old now. Bullpen aces don't just appear out of nowhere at age 30. They've kind of already shown it in their 20s. Amir Garrett has never shown it. But now, Garrett is just becoming a joke. He was suspended this season for craziness. And did you see that Cubs game yesterday after he was yanked out of the game after yet again blowing up a chance for the Reds to win with two earned runs allowed and getting only one out? The Cubs were mocking him. Javier Baez literally was doing Garrett's little jump shot routine as if to say, how you like me now? And you stink. You're terrible. It's embarrassing at this point. But I can promise you this. If Garrett was getting batters out, nobody would be mocking him and nobody would be laughing at him when he's removed from a game. They'd be applauding him. Now the opposing fans applaud him because he's so terrible, they help their team's chances of winning. Garrett would be even higher on this list if there weren't other guys who had done more to hurt this Reds team. So number three now on our list of top five reasons you can't blame David Bell for the red start, Luis Castillo. Two years ago, Castillo was an all-star. He went 15-8, 3.40 ERA, ERA plus 140, meaning he was 40% better than an average pitcher. He struck out 226 guys in 190 innings at 26 years old. Future was very bright for this kid. But now, he's the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. After yesterday, even though he wasn't terrible, he still leads the league in losses, hits allowed, and earned runs allowed. And it's tough to find any silver lining in those numbers. Oh, by the way, in 11 starts, Castillo's ERA, 7.22. This is your opening day starter. Just like Amir Garrett was your opening day closer, Castillo was your opening day starter. And the Reds are going to keep sending him out there every five games because, well, they don't have anybody else. So it's not like David Bell could do what he does with his hitters and give them a couple of days off to regroup. Castillo's been the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball this year. He could change that, but there hasn't been much this year that would make you think he will do that anytime soon, although he still gets respect out in the desert, mainly based on potential, not on what he's done this season. So that was Luis Castillo, the number three on our list of top five reasons you can't blame David Bell for the Reds' lousy start. Number two, Nick Crawl, the general manager. He's got to have a lot of blame in this. Okay, he let Trevor Bauer walk after the first Cy Young season in Reds history. But that's okay. It's not his fault. The Reds had no chance of re-signing him anyway. That's not on Crawl. But everything else is. 
The Reds spent no money this offseason whatsoever. Of course, no other National League Central team spent any money either. So it was almost like old, old-time old Major League Baseball collusion. Let's just all agree not to buy any free agents. But if you're the Reds, why didn't you zig when everybody else was doing the zag? Crawl had to know his bullpen was in big trouble before the season started, or else he wouldn't have signed Sean Doolittle during spring training when all 29 other teams had passed on him. And what does that tell you when Doolittle has been the second-best bullpen guy outside of T.J. Antone this season? It tells you that the rest of the bullpen has been terrible as it currently ranks 29th best in ERA out of 30 Major League bullpens this season. The only bullpen with a worse ERA, of course, the Rockies at the thin air of Coors Field. But Crawl went into this season with no shortstop, forcing a third baseman to move to shortstop to fill that spot. For a franchise that went from Dave Concepcion to Barry Larkin, the Reds haven't had a viable shortstop in the last 50 years other than those two guys, unless you count one-year wonder Zach Cozart, who milked four months in 2017 into $38 million from the Angels in 2018. One of the worst contracts this century. Want to know why the Angels are so bad? Albert Pujols is one thing. Zach Cozart for $38 million is another by the way, Cozart out of baseball now. He gave the Angels 96 games and a 190 batting average in that contract. That just goes to show you what four months and a bad uh, general manager in Los Angeles will do for you. I digress. Crawl had a lot of glaring problems going into this season, and he ignored them all from shortstop to bullpen. So he deserves a lot of this blame so far. So he's number two. On the list of top five reasons you can't blame David Bell for the Reds' lousy start. But number one on the list, and if you've listened to this show, you know where we're going. It's Eugenio Suarez. He's been the worst hitter in Major League Baseball this year. That's not my opinion. Those are facts. 185 at-bats. Suarez is hitting 162. And all these one-for-fours he's gotten this week have actually helped his average quite a bit. Seriously. That's how bad he's been. But if you listen to these Reds announcers try to tell us that Suarez has fixed his swing and he's back and he's on a hot streak and he's the hottest hitter in the Reds lineup, that's just insulting to all of our intelligence. Suarez leading Major League Baseball with 68 strikeouts after only striking out once yesterday. Our friend and ESPN Radio in-house expert who we'll hear from later in the show, Alan Stein, he's always talking about how Suarez being switched to shortstop Hurt him more than anyone knows. But I'm sorry. Does that position you play in the field really affect you this much at the plate? He was playing third base last season, and he hit 202. The number one reason for the Reds' poor start is a guy you were counting on to be your number three hitter before the season started and is now your biggest liability because he's been the worst hitter in all of Major League Baseball through two months. And this was a guy who proclaimed in the preseason he was going to hit 50-plus home runs and break George Foster's record. That ain't happening. So Eugenio Suarez is the number one reason the Reds have not lived up to expectations this year and the number one reason why you can't blame David Bell for the Reds' poor start. Although when David Bell bats Suarez leadoff, it's hard to argue against that. So there you have it, our top five reasons. 
that you can't blame it. We can argue Crawl and Castillo should be higher on the list than Suarez, even though Castillo has been the worst starting pitcher in the sport, and the GM had to see this coming. But Suarez just being the worst hitter has to be held accountable in some way. But unlike the defunct ESPN Classic, the Reds still have time. They have 112 games to turn this season around and actually accomplish something, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5, the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Today at Wrigley Field, Game 3, Reds and Cubs, with the Reds trying to salvage Game 1 of the series. By the way, do you ever use salvage in uh, everyday life? It's only used in sports when you're trying to win a game in a series. Although Fred G. Sanford had a salvage company. That on Esther. Well, that's the most underrated character in the history of television. I digress. Reds and Cubs today at Wrigley Field in a game you can hear on ESPN Radio. 150 this afternoon. Tyler Malley, as in 10-run rally, goes for the Reds. 3-2, 3.75. Jake Arietta for the Cubs. 5-4, 4.37. Tyler Malley has been feast or famine this year. In two games, Malley has given up 13 earned runs in seven innings. In the other eight starts Malley has made, only eight earned runs in 43 innings. So you either get really good or really bad. No in-between. And the Reds are 7-3 in Malley's starts this year, which is shocking considering the Reds haven't been very good and Malley's history of losing you money out in the desert. Because despite that good record this year, the Reds are 31-40 and 31 and 40 in Malley's 71 career starts, that record becomes 17-23 and 23 when Malley is on the road. But Malley's Reds are 5-4 and four when he goes against the Cubs, including 2-2 two and two career at Wrigley, with a career ERA of 3-9-6 against the Cubs. But there's nothing that Malley does that makes you want to rush to the window today, put up your $23 life savings on the Reds. But Jake Arrieta, one of the most puzzling guys in Major League Baseball history, a below-average pitcher when he was traded to the Cubs from the Orioles in 2013, and then all of a sudden, Jake Arrieta becomes the best pitcher in Major League Baseball starting in 2014, having the best second half of a season ever in 2015, winning a Cy Young, and then in 2016, Arrieta pitched a no-hitter of all places at Great America Ballpark against the Reds. But it never was the same for Arrieta after that no-hitter, mainly because whispers of his steroid use became a lot louder due to the fact that nobody put up numbers like he did for about two years. That might have scared him because after that, Arietta has been an average pitcher ever since. He hasn't had an ERA under three and a half since 2016. It leads you to wonder how a guy can stink, then be as good as any pitcher ever for a couple years, then go back to just being a guy very, very quickly. Huh, makes you think. Arietta hasn't had an ERA plus of over 100 since 2018. And he's just a guy now. But Arietta's teams, 147 and 117 when he starts. That's 55.7% and an ROI of plus 4.4%. And when he started at home for the Cubs, the Cubs are 38-25 in Arietta's starts career. This game is a toss-up in the desert. The Reds are kind of a small favorite right now. I look at the lines right now. It's about a minus 110 on each side if you look at most places. We're going to tell you the same thing we did yesterday. Malley has been a good pitcher this yesterday. Arietta isn't the same guy he was five years ago, but the Cubs have the value today. Are any of us the same people we are five years ago? Who knows? But seeing the Reds favored in this game today, 
Big red flag. Not only that, the Reds' bullpen stopper, their only bullpen stopper, TJ Antone, pitched yesterday for some reason, while the back end of the Cubs' bullpen, Craig Kimbrell and the boys, they got the day off. We'll take the Cubs getting some value today, as we still trust Arietta more than Malley, despite their numbers this year, mainly because we're getting value, and as you always do in the desert, you take numbers and prices before you take people and teams, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Presented by Stable Duel. Coming up after the break. You asked for it, you got it. The most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. Presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next. Right here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Presented by Stable Duel. Thanks for joining us. Getting word via text now that people remember that top five reasons you can't blame show. It was good. It was. Brian Kenny was a host. He's now on uh, MLB Network. You want to listen to a guy that talks and thinks baseball like we do? Brian Kenny is your guy. He's one of our favorites. Uh, I've always enjoyed his work. I highly recommend him if you're trying to pick winners, win your fantasy league, or just want to hear good baseball talk. That's Brian Kenny on MLB Network. Uh, we always like his baseball stuff. But it's time. For the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate picking a winner? Just head on down to Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing and light up that Mac Daddy Stogie even before the game ends like we do. As they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us at Jake's Cigar Bar. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. Make sure to go see our friends Jake and Autumn and tell them the bottom line sent you and they'll treat you like royalty, like they do to us. That's jakecigarbar.com. Go down to Brandon Crossing and check them out anytime. Yesterday in the NBA, favorites swept. They went 4-0 straight up and 4-0 gets the spread. Bucks, Blazers, Sixers, Jazz, all covering. And now the favorites are 19-7 straight up, 17-9 against the spread so far in the first round of the playoffs. Huh. I wish someone had gone on the radio and told people to take favorites in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, Yeah. We did. We've been begging you people to do that for two weeks. If you'd done that, you'd be hitting 65% right now. So don't blame us when you see people getting their cars valet parked at the steakhouse while you're scraping up change for Taco Bell, where you can tell them that you're getting a water and get the water cup and actually fill your cup with Diet Coke instead. Did I just admit to something I did in college? I say nothing. I admit nothing. Yesterday, Milwaukee finished off the heat. Long time. Since that NBA bubble for the Heat last year, when everybody was up on the Heat, now they're not so much. Tyler Hero, the GOAT, because Pat Riley would not make a trade for James Harden because he had to throw in Tyler Hero. Uh-huh. That's true. That's a great move by Pat Riley right there. One of the dumbest decisions ever if you saw Tyler Hero in this series. Utah took down Memphis. That series is going to end with Utah winning now, especially now that Donovan Mitchell is back and a little bit upset at people. Philly exposed Washington for a playoff fraud, as we've been saying all season about the Wizards. That series is over. And, of course, our Mac Daddy pick, Stogie pick from yesterday, Portland, a 20-point rocking chair win over Denver and the Great Northwest. Series tied 2-2. By the way, future, don't be afraid to take Denver coming back in Game 5 and this one in Colorado on Tuesday. Don't say we didn't tell you. Today's NBA schedule, Atlanta, 4.5-point favorite of the Knicks. The Lakers, 6.5 over Phoenix. Clippers... They need this one. Three over Dallas. But the game we're picking tonight, 
Brooklyn minus seven over Boston. Brooklyn up 2-1 now, even though Jason Tatum put up 50 on them Friday night. Again, just think if the Sixers hadn't traded Boston that pick so they could draft Markel Fultz, number one. If a division rival offers you a deal too good to be true, it is too good to be true. It's kind of like playing old maid and sticking the old maid card higher than all the rest just to make sure they pick it from your hand. Yeah, head games. We like those here on the bottom line. This is game four of the Eastern Conference first round. And after falling behind, the Celtics got that win in game three as seven-and-a-half-point dogs. But tonight, the Nets opened as six-and-a-half-point favorites. The public rushed to the window to back those Nets. And now they're sitting at minus seven. And don't forget, playoff favorites are killing it in this postseason. And road playoff favorites are six-and-one against the spread. So the pros have learned to lean on this favorite thing because the chalk and the money on the favorites today. And we're backing Brooklyn tonight. We talked about how the favorites are dominating so far. Public is on Brooklyn. We don't like taking the public. We don't like going with the public other than two times. NFL draft props, NBA playoffs. So for you old school zigzag people out there, take Brooklyn tonight, minus seven over Boston, game four. as our Mac Daddy Stogie in the NBA. Yesterday in baseball, favorites went 11-6 with the Giants over the Dodgers, the biggest upset, if you want to call it that. Of course, some people are upset that we took a game yesterday that was rained out. So, yeah, forgive us for not looking at the weather close enough. Today, a couple of games. Oakland has a little bit of value, but we're going to go to the great Northwest. Seattle hosting Texas. Two lousy teams. And Texas, 11 straight road losses. Easy pick for the Mariners, right? Wrong. Give us Texas getting plus 140, two evenly matched lousy teams, and the Seattle bullpen has been used up a lot in the last couple of days. Is Texas a much better team than Seattle? Of course not. Both these teams are not good, but as we say all the time, play prices and numbers, not teams and people. You're getting value with Texas today and a well-rested bullpen with Ian Kennedy at the end of it. Give us Texas plus 140. That's your Mac Daddy Stogie pick. So those are your picks today. Let's take Brooklyn, minus 7 against Boston tonight. And then the Texas Rangers get a plus 40 in the great Northwest at Seattle. Coming up after the break, our good friend Alan Stein, our ESPN in-house Reds expert. He'll join us to talk about the Reds' current situation, using the term situation very loosely. That's next here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And with us now is a special guest and our very good friend. He is our in-house ESPN Radio Reds expert. And he's hustling more than he's allegedly retired than he ever did when he was working here. He's our good friend, Alan Stein. Alan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Brad. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. We, as always, appreciate you and your time this morning. We spent the first few minutes of this show talking about the top five reasons you can't blame David Bell for this Reds disaster going on right now. But it's really hard not to blame him, especially when you see a lineup with Eugenio Suarez leading off. What is up with that? And is David Bell allegedly, eventually, going to be the fall guy for all this Reds this year? Well, he is. Um... I, there, if if there are five reasons why you can't blame him, I'm not sure what they are. And I and I like David. He, he's a he's a friend of mine. We have a uh, a personal relationship through his grandfather and father, 
and my mother, who dated his grandfather, Gus Bell, in high school. Wow. I'm all for David being successful, but I think he's awfully analytics-driven, and perhaps to detriment, and I think he, he is reluctant to move away from things that aren't working uh, and take, for example, Suarez at shortstop. Uh, the Reds' defense is really, I think, their Achilles heel this year. And if they can't make a run and get back into the race, I think it's going to be because of defense. And, you know, you have to kind of hold David accountable uh, for not putting an emphasis on defense. We put one of our number two guy as the general manager, Nick Crawl. Because he goes into this season, he knows his bullpen is very questionable. And he also knows he doesn't have anything at shortstop. He's got to move people around just to have a shortstop. Do you think Nick Crawl deserves a lot of this blame, too? I think Nick is in a tough spot. Uh, I, I think it's probably fair to say that um, it's, it's hard to hold his feet to the fire on, on a glacius and DeSclefani being gone, and not pulling the trigger on one of the high-priced shortstops that that they could have tried to get. Because uh, with the pandemic and the economic impact and the amount of money in free agency that uh, Mr. Castellini and the Reds organization spent last year, and you couple all of that with the fact that Dick Williams, who was really running the show, uh, left after the season, and Nick was kind of forced in, not forced into the job, but but got that job. Uh, you know, when you get into a new job, you don't want to ruffle too many feathers. And if the edict came from upstairs, from Mr. Castellini and Phil Castellini, uh, that we're not going to spend that kind of money this year, you got to figure it out. You know, the Suarez back to shortstop from whence he came originally uh, made a little bit of sense. And if you take a look at it, um, the guys that were out there that, that everybody wanted to get, particularly Lindor, they, you know, how disastrous would that have been to have paid him $300 million? And he's hitting less, you know, less effectively than Suarez is. So, you know, it's tough to to put the blame on a first-year, short-time new general manager. Um, But, you know, let's see what happens after this uh, and and what they do. But they they definitely, there's no question, they've got to make a decision about shortstop. Some good news is that Jose Garcia, the shortstop of the future, who is sort of blocking them from making a major investment at shortstop is really tearing it up at double A right now. And so, you know, maybe they're just going to wait it out for this season and see if he's the answer. ESPN radio, 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, with our good friend, Alan Stein, our in-house ESPN radio Reds expert. Nick crawl knew before the season started, he didn't have much in his bullpen. He signed Sean Doolittle right before the season started. All the other 29 teams basically passed on him. Sean Doolittle, now the second best guy in the Reds' bullpen at this point. Amir Garrett gets a lot of my blame. 
because not only did he proclaim himself as the closer, but he's been a disaster. And if you saw the game yesterday, and I'm sure you did, it's almost embarrassing for him how he's being taunted out on the field, especially by these division teams that see him all the time. Amir Garrett, how much longer can the Reds throw him out there? You know, Amir Garrett is a really interesting case, Brad. And excuse me, you you've been on uh, on on that anti bandwagon the whole season, and it looks like you're probably right. Somehow or another, uh, Garrett has has lost the opportunity to be effective, and David keeps running him out there because they are hopeful that he can turn it around. And and to be fair. Uh, after a, a just horrendous start, uh, he, he got back into the groove, and around the time that he was suspended, he was pitching well, and when he came back, he had three outings that were pretty good. But these last two outings, he seems to be reverting back, and yesterday was just terrible. Uh, it, you know, that was a winnable game for yep. sure, and... Uh, you know, the 10-2 to two score doesn't look like it when you pick it up in the paper the next day. Uh, but that was a very winnable game, as was the game the night before, by the way. And Garrett was the was part of the factor uh, of why that game got out of control. But the other part of it, it goes back to what I, my original comment. The defense is not at a major league level. And that the Reds are not committed to defense. Uh, you can see having versatility is, is something that all major league teams want to have. The Dodgers have shown that you can move some players around. Tampa Bay does it. But in Cincinnati, they're doing it to the detriment or really the ambivalence of what the defense looks like. And You know, they've had, what, five or six guys play first base this year yeah. but it, it and and the reason for that is they're looking at the offensive side of the lineup and they don't really care what you know whether they're mediocre or less uh on the defensive side and i, I think it's just killing them exhibit a of that was when they moved nick senzel to the infield and i'm, I'm not saying he's a bad player but, I mean, when you've played him in the outfield, all of a sudden, well, let's just move into the infield and move everybody else around. And Nixon Zell is one of my guys that I blame because, A, he can't stay healthy. And when he has yeah. been healthy, he just hasn't produced. And the Reds aren't going to cut ties from him anytime soon because they have such a high second overall pick invested in him. Nixon Zell, does he bear any of this blame for the Reds' early season woes? Well, he has he has his his whole major league career not been able to stay on the field. Right. Uh, moving him to second base, I think, was uh, symptomatic of of the Reds uh, just moving chess pieces around, hoping to make something happen. Sinzel is a natural infielder. I mean, he, he came up through college and in the minor leagues and played. Um, in the infield, and they didn't convert him to the outfield until right before he came up as a big leaguer. And he is a great athlete, and he can play defensively very well wherever they put him. So I didn't have a problem with him being at second base, but I would have preferred that they move him to second base so that they could get another bat into the outfield 
And that's not what's happened. They just keep moving those pieces around, too, in center field. They can't decide if they like Naquin. They can't decide if they like Shogo. Uh, and so I, I think the problem is they have invested, as you just said, uh, an awful lot into Nick Senzel. But I would not be surprised, honestly, uh, to see Nick Senzel as part of a trade uh, somewhere along the line here at the trade deadline or uh, during this next offseason. Because he just, they rely too much upon what he might be able to do. And they're always afraid. These guys are always afraid that somebody's going to go somewhere else and be a star. Look at Di Sclafani. And, you know, that happens. that, That just happens. But you make trades or you make personnel decisions on strengthening yourself not being afraid of what a guy might turn into. And I think Senzel might fall into that category. I think you're right on that one. If I had told you before this season started that on Memorial Day, you have the best two hitters in all of Major League Baseball, Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos. We compared it a couple weeks ago, spawn, sane, and pray for rain. Winker, Castellanos, we couldn't come up with a word that rhymed with Castellanos, so we couldn't come up with a rhyme. (laughs) But... Exactly. But if I had told you you had the two best hitters in all of Major League Baseball and you're still 22 and 28, is this the starting pitching, especially a guy like Luis Castillo, who just doesn't seem to have it right now? You know what? Uh, Castillo is not, if you look at his numbers, and I know uh, you're, you're the numbers guy, so if you're driven by that and you look at what Castillo uh, has produced, uh, it, it's almost unfathomable how bad it is. Yeah. But if you watch him pitch every game, you can see that he's not that far off. And in fact, yesterday is a good example of that. Again, the defense lets him down. You know, with you make a, a an easy routine play at shortstop when you have a guy in a rundown, you're out of an inning, Castillo goes five innings of shutout baseball, two-hit shutout baseball. But, you know, you're in a tight game. You've given up those extra runs. Now you walk a guy or two, and you're in trouble. And, again, David Bell, um, you know, his decision-making leaves something to be desired. And, you 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 know, you get, get into that situation, and all of a sudden Castillo – uh, is the loser, and his numbers are big, and, and it's a tough situation. He can still turn it around. Castillo it still has the talent. If they can figure out exactly how to keep him consistent, uh, he could be a real important cog in the Reds coming back. But so far, it's he's on the margin of being good or terrible, and the defense makes it look an awful lot worse. But the pitching is, uh, is, is, is relatively suspect, I have to say. Um, but, you know, Sonny Gray, Castillo, um, Maui, all have talent and at any point could once again create a triumvirate, a top three, that could be competitive with anybody. But it's not happening yet, and they're running out of time. You know the old adage better than I do, Alan. Uh, 
don't look at the standings until Memorial Day. You know, it kind of keeps you from, you know, those snap judgments you might make after a guy has a hot start after two weeks or four weeks or something. We're at Memorial Day now. We're 50 games in. The Reds are 22 and 28. And our friends out in the desert say the Reds have a 6% chance of making the playoffs and a 3% chance of winning this division. Not exactly the same chances they had back on April 1st when we started this. Should I go to the window right now and invest my hard-earned money in the Reds making the playoffs, Alice Don? No. Uh, no, you shouldn't. Not right now. They're, they're on the precipice of this season being lost. Uh, they're not on the precipice of being in the race. So it's going to take some real, uh, real strength coming to the fore, pitching, and consistent hitting beyond the top two, getting Moustakas back, Senzel back, and, of course, Votto back. You know, and you need Wade Miley to be that fourth or fifth guy in the rotation. So you can't bet on any of that stuff right now. All of that could happen, and they could slowly get back into the race, but to bet on whether they're going to make all that stuff happen right now, I would not advise anybody to do that. Quick answers, Alan. Are they buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? If it's, if the trade deadline were uh, on Memorial Day, they'd be sellers. <laughs> uh, you know, the end of July is a long way off. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I can make that judgment right now. And a lot of that is the division that they're in, you know, they're not that far away. They're a, they're a five game winning streak from being right in the thick of the race. So, uh, you know, it's too early to make that call. I think David Bell, is he managing this team on opening day next year? Well, it's the same answer. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's see where they are at the trade deadline. If they're sellers, he's not back. That's for sure. Um, I, I think it's hard looking at, at his body of work and how he does things. I think it's hard to look at him and say, this is the guy that's going to lead us to the championship. But remember, this is a franchise that has let Sparky Anderson go, yeah. let Dusty Baker go. You know, I mean, you never know what they're going to do in Cincinnati. Last question, Alan. Reds and Cubs today. They're a toss-up. Tyler Malley as a 10-run rally throwing for the Reds. Jake Arietta, who uh, has seen better days, to say the least, to toss-up out in the desert. Do I bet on the Reds today, Alan? Yeah, if it's a toss-up, I think I'll go with Malley. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll take the Reds today. Uh, bucket of pride. I think the Cubs. They got some value. That, yeah, the bullpen is Kimbrell's rested. Uh, we'll take the Cubs today. But, hey, he is our Reds expert, so why would we ever disagree with him? He is our good friend. <laughs> he is our good friend and a great man who has helped us out a lot here. We appreciate him very much. He's Alan Stein. Alan, as always, we thank you for your Reds insight and expertise. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you, Colin. I hope you have a happy Memorial Day. And I think you hit the uh, the perfecta today. You got to throw two U.K. All-time great, Tyler Hero and Pat Riley under the bus in one sentence. That's pretty tough. <laughs> Only on the bottom line, baby. That's the way we do it here. Hey, thank you, Alan. We appreciate it, buddy.
Okay, tell your mom I. I will. Thank you, sir. That's Alan Stein. He's a good man. He's a good friend. We appreciate his time. Coming up today on ESPN Radio, no Angelo show. He's uh, having a little Memorial Day uh, road trip. So, uh, yeah, he's he's on the road. So, no Angelo show this afternoon. But coming up later today on ESPN Radio, of course, the Reds and the Cubs at 150. That's about a toss-up out in the desert. Both teams about minus 110. And then today, 6 o'clock on ESPN Radio, Braves at Mets. Max Freed for the Braves, who uh, just lost their one of their best players, uh, Marcelo Zuna, to uh, uh, to a felony charge. We'll uh, talk about that another time if it's uh, plausible. Against Jason DeGrom. It easily, quite possibly, one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's healthy. Is he completely healthy? We're not completely sure. But the Mets, uh, minus 130 favorite. Uh, I think I would take the Mets. That's a low number with DeGrom. Unless something's wrong with DeGrom. Uh. We had a couple weeks ago we went against him. I think we'd go with him tonight. That's coming up all today on ESPN Radio. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex and email us anytime, BottomLineLex at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.